0: Hi guys, this is Ainge, so today we're reading A Country Doctor by Sarah Orne Jewett. Chapter 1 The Last Mile It had been one of the warm and almost sultry days which sometimes come in November, a maligned month, which is really an epitome of the other eleven, or a sort of index to the whole year's changes of storm and sunshine. The afternoon was like spring, the air was soft and damp, and the buds of the willow had beguiled into swelling a little, so that there was a bloom over them, and the grass looked as if it had been growing green of late, instead of fading steadily. It seemed like a reprieve from the doom of winter, or from even November itself, The dense and early darkness which usually follows such unseasonable mildness had already begun to cut short the pleasures of this spring-like day. When a young woman, who carried a child in her arms, turned from a main road of old fields into a footpath, which led southward across the fields and pastures, she seemed sure of her way. "'and kept the path without difficulty, "'though a stranger might easily have lost it here and there, "'where it had led among the patches of sweet fern "'or bayberry bushes "'or through shadowy tracks of small white pines. "'She stopped sometimes to rest "'and walked more and more wearily "'with increasing effort, "'but she kept on her way desperately.' as if it would not do what she was seeking. The child seemed to be asleep. It looked too heavy for a so slight a woman to carry. The path led after a while to a more open country. There was a low hill to be climbed, and at its top the slender figure stopped and seemed to be panting for breath. A follower might have noticed that it bent its head over the child for a moment as it stood, dark against the darkening sky. There had formerly been a defense against the Indians on this hill, which in the daytime commanded a fine view of the surrounding country, and the low earthworks or foundations of the garrison were still plainly to be seen. The woman seated herself on the sunken wall in spite of the dampness and increasing chill. Still holding the child and rocking to and fro like one in despair, the child waked and began to whine and cry a little in that strange lonely place. And after a few minutes, perhaps to quiet it, they went on their way. Near the foot of the hill was a brook "'swollen by the autumn rains. "'And it made a loud noise in the quiet pastures, "'as if it were crying out against a wrong "'or some sad memory, "'following a slight ridge which was all that remained "'of the covered path which had led down from the garrison "'to the spring below at the brookside. "'If she had meant to quench her thirst there, "'she changed her mind and suddenly turned to the right following the brook a short distance, and then going straight towards the river itself in the high uplands, which by daylight were smooth pastures, with here and there, a tangled apple tree or a grassy cellar of a long, too late in the year for the chirp of any insects, the moving air, which could hardly be called wind, swept over in slow waves and a few dry leaves, rustled, on an old hawthorn tree which grew beside the hollow, where a house had been, and a low sound came from the river. The whole countryside seemed asleep in the darkness, but the lonely woman felt no lack of companionship, was well suited to her own mood, that the world slept and said nothing to her. It seemed as if, she were the only creature alive a little this side of the river shore there was an old burial place a primitive spot enough where the graves were only marked by rough stones and the the short sheep cropped grass was spread over departed generations of the farmers and their wives and children by day, it was a sight of the pine woods and the moving water, and nothing hid it from the great sky overhead. But now it was like a prison, walled about by the barriers of night. However eagerly the woman had hurried to this place, and with what purpose she may have sought the river bank, when she recognized her surroundings, she stopped for a moment the farmhouse kitchen indoors there was cheerful company the mildness of the evening had enticed two neighbors of mrs thatcher the mistress of the house into taking their walks abroad and so with their heads well protected by large gingham handkerchiefs they had stepped along the road and up the lane to spend a social hour or two john thatcher their old neighbor's son was known to be away serving on on a jury in the country town. And they thought it was likely that his mother would enjoy company. Their own houses stood side by side. Mrs. Jacob Dyer and Mrs. Martin Dyer were their names, and excellent women they were. Their husbands were twin brothers, curiously alike and amazingly fond of each other. Though... "'either would have scorned to make any special outward demonstration of it. "'They were spending the evening together in Brother Martin's house "'and were talking over the purchase of a bit of woodland "'and the profit of clearing it, "'when their wives had left them without any apology "'to visit Mrs. Thatcher, as we have already seen. "'This was the nearest house and only a quarter of a mile away.' and when they opened the door, they had found Mrs. Thatcher spinning. I must own up. I'm glad to see you more in comin', she said. I don't feel scary at being left so alone. It ain't that, but I have been getting through with a lonesome spell of another kind. John, he does as well as a man can. But here I be, here I be and the good woman could say no more, while her guests understood readily enough the sorrow that had found no words. I suppose you haven't got no news from Adeline? asked Mrs. Bartmartin bluntly. We was speaking of her as we come along, and saying it seemed to be a pity she shouldn't feel it was best to come back this winter and help you through only one daughter and left alone as you be with the bad spells you are liable to in winter time but there it ain't her way her ambitions ain't what they should be that's all i can say if she got a gift for anything special now continued mrs jake we should feel it be different and want her to have a chance but she just like other folks for all she felt so much above farming i don't see as she can do better than come back to this old place or least ways to the village and fetch up a, and and fetch up the little gal to be to be some use She might dress mark make, or do millinery work. She always had a pretty taste. And wouldn't be better than Robin, I suppose. Wouldn't hurt her pride. But Mrs. Thatcher flushed at this. And Mrs. Martin came to the rescue. "'You'll think we regular job comforters,' cried the good soul hastily. "'But there, Miss Thatcher, you know we feel as if she was her own. "'There ain't nothing I wouldn't do for Adeline, sick or well, "'and I declare I believe she'll pull through yet and make a piece of luck "'that'll set us all to work, praising of her. "'She's like to marry again, for all I see, with her good looks.' Folks always have their joys and calamities as they go through the world. Mrs. Thatcher shook her head two or three times with a dismissal dismissal of expression and made no answer. She had pushed back the droning wool wheel which she had been using and had taken her knitting from the shelf by the clock and seated herself contentedly while Mrs. Jake and Mrs. Martin had each produced a blue yarn stocking from a ca- capacious pocket, and the sh- shining steel needles were presently all clicking together. One knitter after another would sheath the spare needle under the apron strings while they asked each other advice from time to time about the pro- property of narin, or whether it were, were not best to widen according to the progress their their respective stockings had made. Mrs. Thatcher had lighted an extra candle and replenished the fire, for the air was chillier since the sun went down. They were all sure of a coming change of weather, and counted various signs, Mrs. Thatcher's lowness of spirits among the number, while all three described various minor maladies from which they had suffered during the day and of which the unseasonable weather was guilty i can't get over the feeling that we are watching with somebody said miss martin after a while moved by some strange impulse and looking over the shoulder at which remarks mrs thatcher glanced glanced up anxiously something has been hanging over me all day said she simply, and at this, the needles click faster than ever. We've been taking rather a low range, suggested Mrs. Jake. We shall be telling over ghost stories if we don't look out, and I for one shall be scat to go home. By the way, I suppose you have heard about old Billy Dow's experience night before last, Miss Thatcher. John being away, I ain't nobody to fetch me the news these days, said the hostess. Why, what happened to Billy now? The two women looked at each other. He was getting himself home at best he could. He owned up to having made a living evening of it. And I expect he was wandering all over the road and didn't know nothin' except that he was pointed towards home, and he stepped off from the high banks of this side of and rolled down over and over. And when he came to there was a great white creature standing over him, and he thought it was a ghost. Te was up higher on the bank than him, and it kind of moved along down, If tea was coming right on him. And he got onto his knees and begun to say his Ten Commandments, fast as he could rattle him out got him mixed up and when the boys heard his teeth a chatter and they began to laugh and he up and cleared donald's boys had been down the road a piece and was just coming home and was their old white hoss that had got out of the barn it being such a mild sight and was wandering off they said to billy and that it wasn't anybody could lay a ghost so quick as he could and they didn't suppose he had the means so handy. The three friends laughed, but Mrs. Thatcher's face quickly lost its smile and took back its worried look. She evidently was in no mood for joking. Poor Billy, said she. He was called the smartest boy in school. I recollect that one of his teachers urged his folks to let him go to college, but want no use they hadn't the money and couldn't get it. Way to do, and wanted in him to work his way, as some do. He got a master's head for figures. Folks used, folks used to get him to post the books, you know, but he's past that now. Good-natured creatures ever stepped, but he always was prayed of the dark. Seems, if I could see him there, a repentin' and the old white hoss shaking his head. And she laughed again, but quickly stopped herself and looked over her shoulder at the window. Would you like the curtain drawed? asked asked Miss Jake. But Miss Thatcher shook her head silently while the gray cat climbed into her lap and lay down in a round ball to sleep. She's provocate, ain't she? inquired Miss Martin provenly While Mrs. Jake asked about the candles which gave a clear light. Be they last on the run? she inquired, but was answered to the contrary, and a brisk conversation followed upon a proper proportions of tallow and bayberry wax, and the dangers of the new fangled oils which the village Shopkeepers were attempting to introduce sperm oil. Oil was growing more and more dear in price and worthless in quality, and the old fashioned lamps were, were reported to be past their usefulness. I must own a set, I must buy good candlelight, said Miss Martin. Tain't no expense to speak of where you raise the taller. And it's cheerful and bright in winter time, In old times, when the houses were draftier, they was troublesome about flickering ca- candles was. But land? Think how comfortable we live now t- to what we used to. Stoves in such convenience, the fire so much handier, Housekeeping don't begin to be the trial it once was. I must say, I like old-fashioned cooking better than oven cooking observed Miss Jake. Seems to me, if the taste of things was all drawn up chimbly, be you going to do much for Thanksgiving, Miss Thatcher? I suppose not. And moved by a sudden kind of impulse, she added, Why can't you and John, John with our folks? I wouldn't put us out. We'll be loneliness for you. Tea won't be no lonesomer than last year was, nor the year before. And Miss Thatcher's face quivered a little as she rose and took up the candles and opened the trap and opened the trap door that covered the cellar stairs. Now don't you go making yourself work, cried the guests. No don't we ain't needin' nothin' We was last about supper. But their hostess stepped carefully down and disappeared for a few minutes while the cat hovered anxiously at the edge of the black pit. I forgot to ask if you'd have some cider The voice asked presently. But I don't know now as I can't get in it. I told John I was shouldn't I told John I shouldn't want any whilst he was away and so he ain't got the spidget in it yet to which miss jake and miss martin both replied that there were no hands for that drink unless was a drop right from the press or a taste of good hard cider towards the spring of the year and mrs thatcher soon returned with some slices of cake on a plate and some apples held in her apron one of her neighbors took the candle as she reached up to put it on the floor and when the trap door was closed again, all three drew up to the table, and had a little feast. The cake was of, of a kind of peculiar to its maker, who prided herself upon being without it, and there was some trick of her hand or a secret ingredient, which was withheld when she responded with apparent cheerfulness to request for its apple, epil- for its recipe. As for the apples, they were grown upon an old tree. One of those limbs had been grafted with some unknown variety, of fruit so long ago that the history was forgotten. Only that an English gardener made years before had brought some cuttings from the old country, and one of them had somehow come into the possession of John Thatcher's grandfather. When grafted fruit was a thing to be treasured and jealously guarded, it had been told that when the elder Thatcher had given away cuttings, he had always stolen to the orchards in the night afterward and ruined them. However, when the family had grown more generous in later years and had seemed to be without avail, for for on their neighbor's trees or their own, the English apples had proven worthless, whether it were some savoring quality in that spot of salt soil, or in the sturdy old native tree itself, the rich golden apples had grown there year after year to perfection, but nowhere else. There ain't no such apples as these to my mind, said Miss Martin. As she polished a large one with her apron and held it up to the light, and Miss Jake murmured a scent, had, having already taken us a first bite. "'There's only one little bow that bears any great,' "'said Miss Thatcher. "'But it's come to that once before, "'and another branch has shot up "'and been likely as if it was a young tree.' "'The good souls sat comfortably "'in their splint-bottomed straight-backed chairs "'and enjoyed this mild attempt at a festival. "'Mrs. Thatcher even grew "'Cheerful and responsive, for her guests seemed so light-hearted "'and free from care that the sunshine of their presence "'warmed her own chilled-upon fearful heart. "'They embarked upon a wide sea of neighborhood, "'ghostship and parish opinions, "'and at last someone happened to speak again of thanksgiving, "'which at once turned the tide of the conversation.' And it seemed to ebb suddenly, while the gray, dreary look once more spread Miss Thatcher's face. I don't see why you won't keep with our folks this year, you and John. Once more suggested Miss Martin. Tain't worth while to be making yourselves dismissal here to home. "'The day'll be lonesome for ye at best, "'and you shall have whatever we have got and welcome.' "'It won't be lonesomer this year than it was last, "'nor the year before that, "'and we stood it somehow another,' "'answered Miss Thatcher for the second time, "'while she rose to put more wood on the stove. "'Seems to me, grown cold, "'I felt a trout across my shoulders.' These nights is dreadful chill. You feel the damp right through your bones. I never saw it darker than it was last evening. I thought it seemed kind of stived up here in the kitchen. And I opened the door and looked out. And I declare I couldn't see any hand before me. It always kind of scares me, these black nights, said Miss Jake Dyer. I expect something to clutch at me every time, every minute, and I feel as if some sort of creature was traveling right before me when I am back out the dark. It makes it bad having a waning moon just now, when the fog hangs so low. It always seems to me as if it was darker when the rise is late toward morning, and when she's gone altogether. I don't know why it is. I recollect once, Miss Thatcher resumed, when Adeline was a baby and John was just turned four year old, their father had gone down river in the packet, and I was expecting on him home at supper. But he didn't come. It was late in the fall and a black night as I ever see. Adeline was taken with something like croup, and I had an old candle in the candlestick that I lighted, and want long before it was burnt down. And I went down sell cellar to the box, where I kept em And you will believe it. The rats had got to it, and there wasn't a week on one of them left. I was near out anyway. We didn't have this cook stove then, and I collated I couldn't make up a good lively place, so I come up full, o scold as I could, and be, and then I found it, burnt up all my dry wood. You see, I thought certain he'd be home, and I was tending to the children. But I started to go out the door and found it had come on rain so hard, and I said to myself I wouldn't go out to the woodpile and get my clothes all damp Count old Adeline, and the candle end would last a spell longer and he'd be home by that time. I hadn't the least suspicion but what he was dallying round up the corners. Long the rest of the men peeing was Saturday night and I was some put out by it for he knew the baby was sick and I hadn't nobody with me. I sat down and waited but he never came and it rained hard as I ever see it and I left his supper standing right on the floor and then I begun to be distressed with fear something had happened to Daniel, and I set to work, and cried, and the candle end gave a flare, and went out, and by and by the fire begun to get low, and I took the children, and went up to bed to keep em warm. It was an awful cold night, considering was such a heavy rain, and there I laid awake, and thought I heard things steppin' about my room, and it seemed to me as if it was a week long before morning come, and as if I got an old woman. I didn't go through with everything that night. It was that time Daniel broke his leg, you know. They was taking a deck load of oak knees down by the packet, and one of them rolled down from the top of the pile and struck him just below the knee. He was pulling for there. One not a breath of wind, and he always felt certain there was something mysterious about it. He'd had a good deal worse knocks than that seemed to be has only left a black black and blue spot, and he said he never see a deck old timber piled secure. He had some queer notions about the doing of the spirits Daniel had. His old aunt Parser was to blame for it. She lived with his father's folks and used to fill him and the rest of the children with all sorts of ghost stories and stuff. I used to tell him she'd be hung for a witch if she lived in them old Salem days. He always used to be telling what everything was signed when we was first married, till I laughed him out of it. It made me kind of emotional. There's too much now we can't make sense of without adding to it our own heads. Mrs. Jake and Miss Martin were quite familiar with the story of the night when there were no candles and Mr. Thatcher had broken his leg having been present themselves early in the morning afterward but they had listened with none the less interest these country neighbors knew their friends affairs as well as they did their own but such an audience is never impatient the repetitions of the best stories are signal events for ordinary circumstances do not inspire them affairs must rise to a certain level before a narration of some great crisis is suggested and exactly as a city audience is well contented with hearing the plays of shakespeare over and over again so each man and woman of experience is permitted to to deploy their well-known but always interesting stories upon the rustic stage I must say, I can't bear to hear anything about ghosts after sundown, as observed Miss Jake, who was at times somewhat troubled by what she and her friends designated as narves. Daytimes, I don't believe in em less it's something creepy more in common. But after dark, it scares me to pieces. I don't know, but I shall be feared to go home, and she laughed uneasily. There, when I get through with this needle, I believe I won't knit no more. The back of my neck is all numb. Don't talk on going home yet again a while, said the hostess, looking up quickly as if she hated the thought of being left alone again. It's just on the edge of the evening the nights is so long now. We think it's bedtime half an hour after we got lit up. 'Tis a good live li- to have and you step over tonight. I it to set here by myself, and for some minutes nobody spoke, and the needles clicked faster than ever. Suddenly, there was a strange sound outside the door, and they stared at each other in terror, and held their breath, but nobody stirred. This was no familiar door's footstep. Presently, they heard a strange little cry, and they feared to look or to know what was waiting outside. Then, Miss Thatcher took a candle in her hand, and still, hesitating, asked once, Who's there? And hearing no, no one answer, slowly opened the door. Okay guys, that is chapter one and two of A Country Doctor. I hope you guys are enjoying the book. This is a very old story. And she is one of the best writers from her time. Alright, so we'll see you again later. Bye, guys.